we're super excited and happy to have you on our platform today for on behalf of C. So welcome. Yes. And of those Thank you. Who, um actually before we start in, I wanted to be able to introduce you to the audience and basically obviously the purpose of today's uh, chat is that we are celebrating our black excellency the forefathers the iconic scholars educator and obviously change makers as yourself and yes. for those who are watching from home we have with us today he is the honorable ministry mitzi hunter and the mpp of scarborough gilbert writing she's recently served as a ministry of advanced education skills and development she served she has served as a minister of education and associate of ministry of finance responsible for pension reform She's also the former CEO of the Greater Toronto Civics Action Alliance. Just to highlight some of her political achievements, it includes becoming our first province, first Black Minister of Education in June 2016, as well as serving two years as a Toronto Community Housing First Chief Administrative Officer, where she held the organization, strategic and business support functions. And uh, she also was first elected in a by-election in August 1st of 2013, and then later on got re-elected as an election of 2014, as well as 2018. She's presently the Toronto Writing for Scarborough Guild World. With greatest pleasure today to have you here. I am super, super honored. Please allow us to welcome the Honorable Mitzi Hunter. How are you Thank doing? Thank you. I'm very good. Um, it's wonderful to be here, Nancy, and it's... Um, it's just a pleasure. So I feel very blessed. Thank you. And nice, nice, awesome. I actually to uh, I get a more briefing because I know uh, for you, you are actually been inspiration to a lot of young Ontarians and young Canadians in the country. So I just want to ask who was one of your um, uh, political influence in growing up? Well, I had many, you know, I I guess, um, first of all, my journey here, mm -hmm. like, um, like many of us, uh, I, I immigrated to this country mm -hmm. from Jamaica. And I, you know, I was a child and my parents uh, brought my brothers and I here so that we could have a better life, you know, through education and hard work. And, uh, you know, did I think that many years later, I would have become Ontario's first black minister of education you know <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a girl from Scarborough I grew up um, you know with many cultures and and diverse people around me and and really it was a uh, it was great because I could still uh, sample and enjoy my, my my authentic culture and at the same time uh, I could be part of the whole in terms of uh, the city and um, and can, can really imagine. So my earliest inspiration came directly from my family, my grandmother, she was the mm -hmm. matriarch of our family, my parents, my father owned his own business. Um, so entrepreneurship was something that I was exposed to from a very early age. Um, my poor brothers used to go to work with him every weekend. And uh, <laughs> I saw how hard they worked. And, and you know, that that was something that I knew um, got you success in life, that, that, di that di direct hard work. Uh, my mom, um, you know, she really provided a space for us as, uh, as young children and, and, and young adults to, to just really yeah. get confidence and to really believe in ourselves. We would have dinner together every night. 
and um, talk about our day and, and just, you know, we would really have that space. And my dad used to always say to me, you're going to be a lawyer because I, I would always have an argument that I could settle. And, <laughs> um, you know, so those were my early inspirations. Later on, when I went to university and uh, I got to go out into the world, I actually put a lot of those skills that I learned in my family to really good use. I started to get involved in student politics. I, I really, um, you know, put forward my ideas and got people to support them. And, uh, and it was in the early 1990s and there was a recession. So I ended up starting a summer company as a student at the University of Toronto Scarborough campus. And of course, anyone that has started something on their own, um, you know, you just make it work and, and you develop those skills and you never lose them. So, um, so that's, that's really, you know, some of my early days, uh, Alvin Curling, uh, he discovered me when I had my own business and brought me into uh, the political landscape, um, you know, just using the skills that I had as an entrepreneur, writing proposals for Carabana at the time, and they received their first multi-year contract from the provincial government as a result of that proposal. Um, Dr. Yeah. Jean Augustine, you know, um, we got to celebrate her right now because she's <laughs> the one that put forward Black History Month 25 years ago. And it is now something that we can talk about and, and have some really deep conversations about in terms of the real history of very early as well. She opened her, her um, space to me uh, and, and has still done so, in fact. It continues to be a mentor uh, to this day. So, you know, I guess one of the things that um, uh, for me is that, you know, my family, immigrants, hardworking, but the life of, of being in politics was not something that I, I got from my family. I had to look outside and, mm -hmm. and there were many people there that opened, opened themselves up to, to my questions and to supporting me. So kind of wow. gives you a little flavor of the personal as well as the professional. <laughs> that's, a, that's an incredible journey just to see how you have taken your family value as well as your inner passion to kind of like, maneuver through all the your life journey to becoming who you are today and also just kind of like sharing with us what it was like with all the experience that you have been through and I also wanted to know in terms of the the role of your government at the moment what is some of the responsibility from your level of government that you're responsible for well, you know, like Nancy, I've come full circle in government, right? So mm -hmm. as you've heard from my background, I didn't start off being a politician. First, I was an entrepreneur and a businesswoman. Mm -hmm. Then I worked in large corporations. I worked at Bell Canada. I became a director while I was there. And, and then I moved into the tech space um, and, and I did that for a while and eventually went into nonprofit, uh, worked at Goodwill Industries and you mentioned Toronto Community Housing, TCHC. Mm -hmm. and, and along the way, I continued to grow my education, right? So I, I got my undergraduate degree at U of T Scarborough, but later on I went back and I did my MBA and my Master of Business Administration so that I can really hone those business skills, right? Those natural skills that, and abilities that I had, I mm -hmm. put the education under it as a, to strengthen my foundation. 
And, and so when I ran for office in 2013, and I, I got to tell you, one of the pieces of advice that my mentor, Dr. Jean Augustine, gave me um, when, and this was when I was a manager at Bell Canada, I went into her office to talk to her. She, she was in a typical lecture and we had a store in her community. And I probably went to go talk to her about, you know, about that. And, um, you know, just, you know, it was more just a, a, a routine visit. Yeah. And as I was about to leave, she told me to hold on a minute. And she gave me some advice. And she said, Mitzi, when you get the call, you must be ready. And, you know, I left her office and I was like, the call? <laughs> I, wonder what, I wonder what the call is. But I'm going to be ready. You know, I just sort of affirmed that to myself. And, you know, in between, as I said, I did my MBA. Maybe that's what I needed when I got the call. I needed to have credentials. You know, yeah. uh, maybe I need a second language. I need to learn uh, French, you know, and, uh, you know, I wasn't exactly sure what it was, but I knew that it was about being prepared. It was about doing your homework. It was about being qualified. It was also about reaching forward for things that perhaps you, you know, are bigger than you would have imagined. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and she, she really encouraged me. And so one day I did get the call. And I was asked to run in a by-election in Scarborough, in the, the community that I'd grown up in and, you know, and, and I knew so well. And um, I ran in the by-election. This was in 2013, and I won. I, I, I won my seat. It was actually on August 1st, it, so it was Emancipation Day uh, that I won my seat in the legislature. And, you know... I want to describe that. Can we just have that conversation tonight with C and the audience there? Because, yes, of course. you know, there's only a limited number of people who are your representatives, right? And, you know, on August 1st, I became one of them. You know, Mitzi Hunter, granddaughter of Eva Hunter, right? And so I walk into the legislature and they had green carpet and green chairs. And I remember taking my seat in those green chairs and just really feeling that I was there to use my voice on behalf mm -hmm. of the people who elected me to this office because it was so rare. And because at the time when I was elected in 2013, I was the only black woman in the legislature. And so, you know, I really felt that. I really felt that that representation really mattered. My voice really mattered. My excellence really mattered. And I had to make a difference, right? And yeah. so a year after I was first elected, uh, there was another general election and I was reelected again um, by the people of Scarborough Guildwood. And the premier called and invited me to join the cabinet. And I became mm -hmm. the associate minister of finance. And I was working on a pension plan called the Ontario Retirement Pension Plan, which was um, the, the largest pension reform since the establishment of the Canada Pension Plan, the CPP, in the 1960s. And yeah. I had the benefit of going across the country, working with finance ministers and developing this pension plan that later actually led to the expansion of CPP benefits for all working Canadians. 
And it was, um, you know, it was really great because you remember that MBA that I used and Dr. Jean Augustine said, you better be ready. It came in really <laughs> handy when I was doing, you know, um, pension reform and later, uh, you know, implemented financial literacy in, all, in yeah. our schools, right? And, um, and then, of course, after being the associate finance minister, I became the minister of education and really working on issues like equity in education, establishing a secretariat, looking at things like anti-Black racism, looking at things like Indigenous, um, and, and making sure that there is a curriculum based on, on, on Indigenous peoples, and, and, and the ways of knowing and being are truly reflected in our school system, um, mm. making sure there's fairness uh, for LGBTQ plus students and for students with disabilities, youth in the care of children's aid and false foster care, youth with learning disabilities, you know, really looking at how we make our education system in Ontario an excellent one for all students. And, and you know, I was very passionate about being Minister of Education. I would visit one school each and every week. And, you know, when I walked in, students could see me. And if you can yeah. see me, <laughs> you can be me, right? And all the students were able to see that, you know, and I've, I had so many amazing experiences as the Minister of Education and seeing students learn going to the far north, the remote north uh, in Ontario, going even on reserve in Indigenous uh, um, regions in the province. Mm. And, uh, and so I had that opportunity. I later became Minister of, Ad of Advanced Education for universities, colleges, and trades. That was also really important. Uh, but then what happened in 2018, Nancy, is that we lost government. So the Ontario Liberals lost government in 2018, yeah. and we were reduced to seven seats in the entire province. And, you know, that's a big loss, right? Because we, mm -hmm. we had about, I, I believe, 58 seats um, when the election was called. And so that's a, that's a big loss. But you know what? The people of Scarborough Guildwood re-elected me. And I won my seat in the last election by 74 votes. Wow. 74 votes, right? So think about that. So less than 100 people that said, Mitzi, we want you to stay here. And, you know, when I um, do the work that I do as an MPP in my riding, and right now mm -hmm. I'm doing all kinds of work, and we're building more childcare capacity for before and after school childcare in the community. We're, of course, fighting for COVID um, relief in Scarborough because it's a hot spot. Uh, vaccines, making sure that people get vaccines. And, you know, mm -hmm. there is hesitancy, for instance, in the Black community in terms of vaccines. And, and, and it, it hurts my heart because when you look at the disproportionate effect of the virus on um, people of color, black, on, on the black population in particular, it's quite significant. And so if there's any hesitancy in getting the protection, then that means that, that the black population will continue to be exposed from this, to this virus. And so, you know, making sure that there's equity and fairness built into the distribution of our health system mm -hmm. and, um, and, and all of those areas as a local member of provincial parliament, just last night, I had a town hall and there was 2,000 people on the call. 
and you know in individuals asking me live questions you know yeah. the first caller her name was Shirley and she was 86 years old and she wanted to know where she could get her vaccine right she's yeah. asking her MPP <laughs> and you know and I'm accountable to Shirley right because Shirley is a very important constituent of mine in the community. Yeah. And so I'm very passionate about representing, continue. I still have that feeling, you know, that I'm there to be a strong voice for my community. I'm there to stand up, tell truth to power, and advocate on behalf of the residents of Scarborough Guildwood and all Ontarians and to make lives better. That's, that's what I do each and every day as a representative in the Legislative Assembly of Ontario. I mean, that's actually very profound. I love the fact that you were able to just kind of connecting the dot of like for your message from your mentor and then going into mm -hmm. the journey as well as understanding that your presence matter because your presence kind of speak volume, but also speak to the people that look like you and also yeah. bringing value to you back to your community where you Scarborough being is you know, the forefront of that. Um, also, just going back with the whole experience and how you were able to maneuver you, how you were able to wait for that call and finally taking action with that call, going from being the first woman of color as a minister of education and also being reelected as, as an official MPP, what would be some of your teachable moments from your experience, would you say? Well, you know, I want everyone watching and for your C. Mm -hmm network to rec recognize that you really matter and that you have something to contribute. I know that C invests a lot in entrepreneurship for black youth. And, and mm -hmm. that's how I started. You know, no one handed Mitzi anything, right? I, I just created it out of, out of nothing. It was a recession. And, um, and I thought, okay, well, I need to pay for school, so I'm going to have to do something. <laughs> what talents do I have? And, you know, I ended up seeing a company that, that was a talent agency. I then expanded it to a marketing and communications agency with recurring clients. And I learned a really valuable lesson that if you can think entrepreneurially, and really where you're not out to go get a job, but you're out to create a job, then that thinking and, and that way will just be how you think. And that's how I think. So, mm -hmm. you know, when I later, you know, got into corporate um, environments, I was still this very creative person that was self-reliant, using resources effectively, marketing, selling, doing all of those things. And, you know, I took that right into being a cabinet minister. You know, I wasn't a career politician. It's not something that I had done for my whole career. And so when I worked with the team in the ministries, it really was like being the CEO of a company and just really looking at not how we've always done things. You know, I remember the first time someone <laughs> said that to me, well, we've always done it this way and we've never tried it. I said, well, what will it take to try it? because that's what I want to do. Let's beta test this. Let's pilot this, you know, let's figure it out and, and do something different. Because I, I would always say, as Minister of Education, first of all, there is nothing wrong with our students. It's the system that needs to shift and change to support all students to learn. And every year, 
in a child, a student's life matters. And so whatever we're doing, we have to do it with some haste, do it well, but understand that each year will matter. So we can't, you know, take too long in the transformation that we need. And so, um, you know, those are some of the moments that, that I had. And, and, and part of it is, is that I have to always keep moving forward, right? I can't look back. I can't, you know, there is no looking back. You just have to continue to look forward. And, um, and, and, and that has served me really, really well. Um, I also believe in getting out of your comfort zone. If you are, you know, doing something that doesn't challenge you, that you're not passionate about, why are you doing it? And so getting out of your comfort zone and stretching yourself, doing things that really challenge you, I think makes life and work um, worth doing. And, uh, and then that's just how I've always sort of lived my life. And, you know, someone just said to me recently as I was speaking to them, Mitzi, I don't know how you do all the things you do. And, <laughs> and for me, it's like, well, this is so normal and it's so natural. You know, as a young person coming up in my career, one of the things that I always did was volunteer. I found things that I was passionate about, whether it was sport or the arts or, um, of course, business. I was always, you know, excited about just sort of being, thinking about infrastructure. I remember as a young, young manager at Bell Canada, I was on the committee, uh, the infrastructure committee at the Toronto Board of Trade and, you know, thinking about the city infrastructure and what we needed to do. And, you know, that, that was just who I was. And before I knew it, I had volunteered on over a hundred committees and boards in my, in my career. And, and so being a volunteer and giving back and living a life of service is something that I feel is really important. So, you know, one of the organizations I volunteered for was called Civic Action. And, you know, they were looking for a CEO at one point, and I ended up becoming the full-time CEO for an organization that I had volunteered, done the work for free for 10 years before ending up, ending up becoming its leader. You know, and that's just, um, that's something that I would encourage, you know, all young people watching, like, you know, really think about your community and the things that you care about and, and, and get involved. You know, I have to say another teachable moment for me, I'm currently the finance critic for the Ontario Liberal Party. And yeah. so I, I sit on the standing committee of finance and economic affairs for the province. So when we have a budget later on that is tabled, I will, um, as part of that committee, review the budget bill and, uh, and provide input. And, and oftentimes that we invite people to have consultations with the committee. There are mm -hmm. not enough people who represent the black community showing up at those consultation tables. We are making decisions about broadband infrastructure. We are making decisions about transit infrastructure, municipal financing and funding, arts, mm -hmm. culture, you know, um, you know, Afrofest actually came to our consultation that we had in the summer, and they were such a unique and powerful voice at the table. And I just wished that many more 
other organizations, young organizations, youth organizations would come, come forward. Um, there were also um, individuals that came from the Jane and Finch community, um, the Black Creek community. And I, I have to say, every time they came forward, their voice just really resonated because it wasn't just the same sort of um, uh, ideas. It was new and fresh in different perspectives. And, mm -hmm. and we need that as government policy. We need more, um, first of all, we need more, more black people and, and people of diverse backgrounds taking, um, you know, courses that lead to public policy and administrative roles. And because yeah. that is what shapes um, the government uh, at the end of the day in terms of how we uh, interface with government. So we need more diverse people getting involved, getting at the table, offering ideas and suggestions and making your voice known and heard. So that is another moment that I will share with you. <laughs> These were really, really incredible. I love how you covered the fact that we have to stay innovative. We have to start thinking outside of the box, but also we have to be comfortable enough to show up in those spaces and give our ideas and give our input so that it matters also in the voice while actions are being taken. And I love the fact that you also kind of stress the fact that your presence in each of these situations where decisions are made is very valuable. It is it's very essential for that. And so what do you think can be done to get more women of colors in the political spaces? Yeah, and that's something that I, I would welcome, you know, mm -hmm. as I said, uh, when I started out, I was the only black woman there. Um, now on, on some of the other parties, we have, uh, we have a few more black women. And, mm -hmm. you know, trust me, it's not enough. We need more. So, uh, you know, we are going to be having a provincial election in the next 18 months. That's not a long time. And each of the parties are recruiting right now. Of course, I represent the Ontario Liberal Party. And if you just go to ontarioliberal.ca, there's information there about, um, you know, running for us as candidates and, uh, and getting a seat that we deserve a seat at the table. Yes, we do deserve a seat at the table. And we need more people who will put themselves forward for office at every level of government. Federally, there will be a, an election probably even sooner federally. Um, they are looking for candidates. You know, Marcy Ian, she just <laughs> took her seat. Now she's the only black woman that was there for a long time. Selena Caesar Chavan was the only black woman. Um, you know, I remember Selena and I, we used to call each other because she was <laughs> the only one federally and I was the only one provincially. So we sort of, you know, talked to each other to, to support uh, what we were doing. And, and, but we need more, more than just one and two here and there. We need lots of people. Um, you know, we need more black mayors and black city councillors, black trustees. Imagine more black people as school board trustees. We talk about, you know, um, improving curriculum and we talk about anti-black racism in our school systems, which is so important. Well, think about if more of us were sitting at that decision making table, what influence would we have? Uh, so I welcome it, and it is an opportune time. Right now, we are in a change now moment. You know, I, I gave a talk after the unfortunate death of George Floyd last summer, 
and just you know the 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 movement that had broken out and i i called it change now and it really mm-hmm. is a vision for our community and you know we need bold action we need to change the systems and in order for that to happen we need our people showing up you know and being represented and that you know i see now where there there is a a, a sweeping movement of change in our corporate world as well yeah. you know in our in our um newsrooms and media in journal in journalism in law and um and and we need it in all areas in justice in politics in academia and education in business in trades mm-hmm. you know so so look at the challenges we're having in the trades so you know we need you know we we've been part of canada since before canada was a country black people were here right we all know the story this is this is for black history month so let me give you some history so <laughs> Matheus da Costa um was a an interpreter and I would argue an explorer and when Samuel Samuel de Champlain was sort of look exploring the lands that would later become Canada he hired Matheus da Costa as his interpreter because he knew the indigenous languages he knew multiple languages which means that he was here before indeed indeed <laughs> let me just let that let me just let that sink in right <laughs> yes and that was well over 400 years ago we also know the black loyalists that came forward settled in canada i've been to birchtown nova scotia and um in and seen those settlements uh there's a there's a black loyalist museum there you know the evidence is there um you know i was watching cbc the other night and there was a gentleman on from alberta fifth generation albertan black man we are canadians we're part of this fabric of this country you know and other than indigenous people who have been stewarding this land for millennials you know we're we are part of the founding of this nation and uh i want us to take our seat at the table most definitely and i feel like you have brought a lot of negative knowledge and a lot of wisdom to be able to encourage not even just our viewers but our youth that are currently sitting at home they'll be able to kind of rethink some of their actions and also rethink some of the career path in order to make that change so for those who are thinking about making some changes within their community maybe being in politics could be that change and could be that vessel to bring more our voices heard so thank you so much for sharing that and um, i also wanted to ask you what is what are you hoping from your writing or your community to be able to kind of do in order to support you even more kind of conveying that message to keep on going on sure you know i i always love talking about my writing but i want to also mm-hmm. just based on on what you said just a while yeah. ago um about the message to our community you know there's also because we're two females here talking right and yeah. and 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 we can talk right <laughs> i'm getting that vibe from you and i know i can talk right so but there's also the men right the young men in our community and and i you know so i grew up in my home that that i grew up in i had two older brothers and a younger brother and so of course that's where i learned how to talk because if i did not <laughs> right you have to speak up otherwise the boys will just run you over so 
my younger brother um in scarborough where where we went to school you know he ended up being very good at basketball and you know he was his mvp for his high school and he was recruited and he went to the us to um play in the division 1 ncaa school uh he graduated uh with his uh, bachelor of science he took he took computer science and he was recruited to play in europe and he mm-hmm. played for the euro basketball league you know for countries like italy portugal um the uk he played in the uk um and many other countries like i mean it's over a dozen countries over a decade and and then eventually um after i got my mba he got his as well so he had this successful sport career combined with you know finance and mba and and he's now working here back in canada he's raising a family in brampton um him and his wife and and he's he is in the financial sector and and i i share his story because i you know i really want our brothers our young men to see that they too have voice they too have agency they too have creativity they too have aspirations they are scientists and they have all kinds of ways that they can contribute and we need them we need all of our young people all their energies all their ideas all their creativity you know one of the things that i realized as education minister is half of black boys black black students do not graduate the boys and there's a there's a a challenge in our education system that we have to fix because that's a crisis Mm-hmm. and we have to find ways of engaging those young men those 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 young individuals tapping into their creativity is it coding is it gaming you know what is it that they are passionate about is it more athletics like my younger brother was was you know an excellent skilled basketball player but as his older sister i said you also need a degree and yeah. so he had to get both and he did right so um we can set the bar higher we can raise the expectations we can demand excellence from our young people because they are well able they are capable and um and that is something that i believe in and uh, i will always support that so in my community in scarborough mm-hmm. guildwood You know, I am looking for ways of doing just that. Um we have challenges like literacy uh is a challenge. And so how do we support literacy programs and and organizations um like the Reading Partnership is a really great example in my community um yeah. having programs that teach parents and 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 children how to read together. You know, my brother who I just described to you, he has a new baby. uh Jordan <laughs> and and DC for how proud I am of Jordan <laughs> Jordan is 2 months old and and Jordan and Auntie Mitzi read together every week um I would do it every day if I could every That's week amazing. at least we read together and he listens to me you know we're doing it through technology but he listens to me I read him a story um by Bob Marley's daughter Three Little Birds I did all the actions and he loved that story and yeah. so you know instilling that love of words and and literature and that capability from a very young age is really really important in our communities equipping young people with the skills that they need right now I'm working on a child care program as I mentioned um 
Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that all of the schools in my community have uh, options for childcare for parents that are, are clear, immersive, and supportive uh, of, of students and parents and families. Um, there's a, a hub that we want to put in uh, for training as well as recreation uh, in one of the high schools that actually closed in the community called Borden. So that's a project yeah. that I'm, I'm very passionate about. And what I'm known for uh, if you look it up, you will see that I am known as the subway champion. And <laughs> I, I, that's, that's what I'm known for because I believe that Scarborough deserves better transit, that all the buses and the broken down RT that we have, we need better, <laughs> higher order transit and get people off of buses and moving to where they need to go to school, to work, to worship, wherever they need to go. They need to do that in a fast and rapid way with good quality, reliable, uh, accessible transit. So I, I want to see I the subway built. <laughs> uh, yes. I want to see, see anyone who's been, who has grown up or traveled to Scarborough, they, they support me because I grew up, on those buses and I used to work downtown at Bell Canada and study at the far end of Scarborough at U of T Scarborough so can you imagine how much time I spent on the bus running to Kennedy subway trying to get down to the four flights to catch my bus to get to work and all these years later People are still doing that, and there's many more people living there. We deserve better transit in Scarborough, and I'm so thrilled that the city of Toronto has seen this and has made Scarborough Transit a priority. They just committed funding. It's going to go to full council, $1.2 billion for an LRT which is, it's, it's, it's literally just rides on the surface mostly, but it's still great rapid transit. Yeah. And um, so, so they just committed that as a priority. It would be great if they heard from lots of people saying this is important because I can tell you a lot of other parts of the city are demanding that money, but it's going to be for Scarborough Transit and I'm thrilled. Of course, you know, the provincial government has long committed to the subway expansion. And um, there are other routes as well, like dedicated <laughs> bus routes from Durham to the Scarborough Town Center. You may not have heard about it. It's not like one of these, you know, sexy projects, but it's very important. And, uh, and, and so I'm all about transit. I, I, you know, would hope that the uh, Lakeshore line for the go, which is already built, mm -hmm. would be more accessible that the fares would be lower. So the people in my community, because they can't really afford to get on it right now at the higher cost, if it was the same price as a TTC fare, they would use it. So I advocate for transit in any form, in any shape, be it a subway, an LRT, a dedicated bus route, or the existing GO network making it more accessible, because I believe the people of Scarborough deserve it. The last thing I'll share, I, I'm advocating for lots of other things, but the last thing I will share is healthcare. Uh, the, you know, there are a lot of health indicators in my community that are sad, you know, um, diabetes and kidney disease are yeah. very high in, in, in Scarborough. Um, I believe that ki the kidney disease is the highest in Scarborough than anywhere else in Canada. And, and so we need good healthcare in our community. I'd like to see a new hospital built. And, uh, and so that's, that's next.